Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I am so excited to be back doing Sunday school. I'm getting back into the book of Romans. So we'll pray and then we'll start our study back in the book of Romans. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for um, the many riches of mercies that we see in it and how we can understand who you are and what you've uh, done for us and uh, Lord how we can understand your great love for us Lord because of scripture and Lord uh, just pray that we would be edified this morning through it in your name amen well we've had a few lessons and then a big gap so we're going to pick up in verses 18 through 25 this morning. Can someone want to try to give me a brief summary of 1 through 17? A brief summary of one, verses 1 through 17. What have we seen so far? The power of the gospel. Power of the gospel. Okay, where do we see that? Okay, so Jessica jumped all the way to the end. <laughs> so what, did, what do we see? What is the first seven verses? That is a... Okay. Yep, so it's an introduction and then talking about who God is. All right, and then 8 through uh, 17 is all about what? Okay, so yeah, it's talking about righteousness, it's talking about sin, and it's talking about Paul. Uh, he's he's talking about how he's excited about being with them, um, understanding that the gospel is not only to uh, which groups is the gospel for the Jews and the Gentiles. Jen, did you get a paper? You didn't. I did. You did. Okay, so Jews and Gentiles. So Paul is not only seeking to preach to the Jews, uh, but actually primarily now he's preaching to Gentiles. Okay, so that's where we pick up. Uh, he there in verse 16 and 17, which is the key verse. Verses really for the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of of God for salvation. So on the heels of that statement, then Paul uh, begins to talk about the wrath of God. Why uh, we're going to understand and develop this this morning, what the importance of understanding the wrath of God is and why that's so important for us as believers to understand the importance of the wrath of God. Okay, uh, because if we don't understand why his wrath is there and understand our fallen nature, we won't understand the importance of what today's sermon will ultimately be about. Right. Today's sermon is going to be on grace, grace alone, which will tie in perfectly with this section, which worked out really well. Right. So um, 
but we're going to dive in. We'll, let's read, have someone read here in verse 18, okay? Verse 18, someone want to grab, actually 18 and 19, okay? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Okay. So, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. What do we know of ungodliness? When we hear the word ungodliness, what do we think of? Turning our backs to God. Turning our backs towards God. Okay. So, we have, you can see on your paper there, there's um, ungodliness. And unrighteousness would be the next uh, the next word we look at. What, what what do we think the difference between ungodliness and unrighteousness would be? Do we think there's a big difference between those two? And if you do, what would you say would be the difference? Maybe ungodliness. So they're very, pretty much it's a, it's a, it's talking about the same idea. Okay. It's Paul is very commonly uses uh, similar words to really emphasize uh, what he's getting at. But the most important part of verse 18 is the latter uh, part of the verse. So it says, for, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness okay, and unrighteousness. So this, those two are combined within this man who suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, that suppressing of truth is where God's anger truly lies. The suppressing of the truth. And the suppressing of that truth is suppressing the knowledge and who we know of Christ. If I can have someone turn to John 3 and 19 and 20. John chapter 3 and verses 19 and 20. have it go ahead and read it John 3 19 and 20 this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for the deeds are evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that the deeds will be exposed okay so this is what's going on there they ex- they um, suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They are suppressing what they know of the light. And the light has revealed itself. How and in what ways do we know? And we're, we're, I'm overlapping with what we're going to be talking about in the sermon today. But we know of Christ. We know of God. How? How do we know of Him? What are we suppressing? We're going to get into it in this lesson as well. Is by his creation, okay, and that's what, again, Paul is. He's going to be building on this <coughs> thought. 
that his wrath has been poured out upon uh, the unrighteous man who suppress the truth so that they they know there is a God. They know things in the Bible. They've read it, uh, but they suppress it. They lie about it. They say there is no God or they come up with their own gods. And so this is where God's wrath, the word wrath there is not um, it is not something that is. Uh, just happenstance quickly. This, this is a uh, bubbling up within someone type of wrath that is stirred up. It's a strong, uh, a very strong word. God is strongly, has, uh, he is very angry at m- the men of unrighteousness who suppress the truth. Okay? This is a huge statement made by Paul. For those that are reading this to understand that God's wrath is revealed against them who suppress the truth. And then in verse 19, it talks of because that which is known about God. So they're suppressing the truth that is known about God, even within them, for God made it evident to them. Do you see, understand how God's creation and all of that is evidence of who God is and what do we what do we see in our culture today with men right it's canceling the fact that there's a, a creator by what if there's no creator then we have what evolution man just suddenly appeared makes there's there's no sense in it there's no it makes no sense and they suppress the truth of creation they suppress the truth of who god is as the creator and god is uh has wrath towards that and has revealed that because and this is what what's in what we have to understand is this is all of us before salvation we all were in this mindset before salvation. We suppressed the truth of Christ. We did not desire Christ, and nor would we ever desire Christ. And this is the, the basis of Paul's building, uh, really through the next th- uh, three chapters. Uh, Paul really strongly emphasizes where we are as fallen humans and how we have no hope of salvation without Christ, okay? We are fallen and we desire to do wickedness, okay? So that's what the verses 20 and, uh, or verses 19 and, or 18 and 19 are setting the precedence really for uh, quite a while here in the next couple chapters, about understanding God's wrath and, and w- unfolding what ungodliness and unrighteousness is and how that man suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. And God has said, you don't have an excuse because I have revealed to you who God is. Okay? So I want to read verse number 20. Read verse number 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Okay, so this just gives more clarity to verse 19. 
So verse 20 gives a lot more clarity to really what he's talking about. In 19, his eternal power. What do we think of when we think of God's eternal power? What's the word eternal mean? Okay, so this is not a limited power. It's an eternal, everlasting power. Okay, it refers to the awesome power of creation here. Okay, uh, when we really look at creation around us, especially, I, I would say in Utah, we are one of the most blessed of uh, believers because we have such an, an amazing uh, display of God's glory and his awesome power of creation with the landscape around us, just immediately around us, but even in our national parks that you go to uh, and, and so on, we see his awesome power. And then if you go up into the mountains at all in the, in the evening and you look up and you see uh, the stars and the galaxies. And then if you do the time and research and understanding how he created the stars and the galaxies and, and all of the planets, and you look at the size of planets, um, it, it, it's, it's incredible. I watched a, a, uh, a sermon on uh, astrology and, and understanding the planets and so on. And the guy... And you've probably heard this before, but he was talking about if the world was the size of a golf ball, okay, so that we can scale it, if the world was the size of the golf ball, some of the stars and planets, you could fill up football stadiums of golf balls and that would fit inside of that star. This is the awesome eternal power that we're talking about when we talk about God. We're not talking about a small God that we can put in our own box. We're talking about a God that is incomprehensible and that uh, has shown himself uh, to be the creator. That this, the types of intricate things that are in our atmosphere and in our, in our galaxies and even on earth uh, to the simple thing as uh, explaining the eyeball is still baffling to the, the, the people that study it. They're still baffled on how the eyeball works and how all of the different... I, I, we were watching a uh, series on the brain here recently and how intricate your brain works and how it, the scientists are still trying to figure out how our brain works. And God is the creator of all of that. Okay, and so his eternal power, his divine nature. What do we what do we think of when we think of his divine nature? When we think of someone's nature, that explains what about them? Their nature, who they are, right? So when we think of God's divine nature, what are some things that we think of on his divine nature? Grace is one of them. Faithfulness, right? Kindness, His mercy, His love. That's, this is 
His judgments, all of these things are wrapped up in His divine nature. And He has shown that evident in our, even in our world. We see the grace and we see God's faithfulness even to the unsaved, right? Because without Christ, without God, is anyone sustained? Can any of us live without Him? So without His power and how, without His divine nature, none of us could be sustained and none of us could be... We would not breathe. We could not live. We cannot function. God is the one that holds us together because He holds the world together. God is the one that allowed each one of us to get up this morning and allows us to go to bed each night. So <clears throat> His divine nature is evident in our world because without Him... We would not exist and could not exist because he is the one that holds us together. Okay. And then his, uh, let me see here, eternal power and divine nature having been clearly seen. Okay. That's, it's clearly seen. These words are not mistakenly put in here by Paul or just flippantly put in here. That his eternal power and the divine nature is clearly seen, being understood through what? His, what has been made so that they are without what? Excuse. Okay? His creation is evidently seen here. Man has no excuse. I was studying a, and, 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 uh, on this, and a man um, gave the analogy that he says, when people ask me, well, what about those poor, innocent people in Africa or in other places that don't hear, uh, you know, that haven't heard the gospel? Uh, what about those poor, innocent people there? And his statement to me, the, the, the statement to them is, well, don't go to them and don't send missionaries to them because you will screw them up. Why? Because they're innocent. Now, you will have a really hard time finding an innocent person in Africa or anywhere else. And that's his point here is that no one is innocent. Everyone knows because Scripture tells us we know that there is a Creator, that there is a God. And God is sovereign enough, and God is in control, and He says, I have made Myself evident to everyone. So there is no such thing as that poor, innocent person in the deepest parts of the jungle that has not heard, because they have no excuse because they can see his eternal power and his divine nature through creation. Okay? We understanding how this is working here? That man is without excuse and that we cannot stand before a holy God and say, well, I didn't know. Or I, I have this excuse or that excuse. God, through Paul here, is eliminating any excuse of man to, say, to accuse God of saying, you did not, um, uh, you know, I didn't have the chance. Okay? Paul is eliminating that through the inspiration of God. So any, any thoughts? Yes. 
They do. Yeah, and they and they do. And so, you, what's interesting is, you know, when God is the one who is the author, and we're going to get into this in a lot of detail, some this morning uh, in the sermon, um, but as also we're going to get into it as we get through Romans, because Paul clearly talks about his sovereignty in salvation. And yes, it is in within the heart of man to worship something. That's why we see idols and that's why we see all kinds of things that are worshipped. If you follow uh, the Israelite nation, uh, anytime that they maybe thought God was being silenced or different or away from them, what did they do? They turned to some form of God, whether it being a, a golden calf or, or whatever it would be, they turned and found because it's in our nature to worship something, right? We have to worship something. It's God given built with inside of us as humans. And so the, the men or, and women that are in those deep dungles, uh, they have that desire to worship uh, something. And a lot of them do create their own. They have their witch doctors and, and, and different forms of uh, worship. But they're still without excuse because they know that there is a God. Uh, and they see him in his power and his divine nature through creation okay so any other thoughts on verses 18 19 or 20 what is the last line his blank creation yeah his creation yeah to find it yeah so yeah his his eternal power his divine nature and his creation Okay, um, somebody quickly turn to uh, Psalms 19. This will be 1 through 8. Psalms 19, 1 through 8. When you have it, go ahead and read it. Psalms chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above the heavens. Day to day, or that speech, and night to night, we will not. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through the, all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them we have sat the tent which comes out like the breath of the legal chamber. Okay, so what we see here is his creation is evident, right? That's what that whole psalm is talking about, is how we can see God through creation. Okay, any thoughts or ideas on those few verses there? Is that... 
understanding Paul's argument here that man is without excuse. Okay? And this is important even as us for, as believers to understand that before we became believers, we were in this same uh, position and we were without excuse. And God was gracious to us. Okay? Verse 21. Yes? I think that it puts us in a position of asking questions. Right? And it allows for us to wonder and know that there's something more. And that made that the door open for the gospel. Yeah. Um, the creation itself and giving the gospel, but giving information that, hey, someone's there, something's there that's created this. And the way he's created us in his image is what leads us to, to think about it. And it depends if we get stuck on it. Is this our God and this idol that we've created in our minds that's in control of everything or is something wrong? And that's why that gospel is so, um, so awesome because it answers that question. For those who are seeking, it leads to the truth. For those who have decided that they already know what they're doing, it's that stumbling block. We're going to talk about that in, in a way today. You know, scripture says that no one seeks God. No one seeks God. So if no one seeks God, then where are we at? How does that, how does that work in our understanding of no one seeks God? No human seeks God. Well, it's because God seeks us. And that is the gospel and that is grace which i'm getting ahead of myself but you guys will just get a double taste of the sermon today that is what grace is all about is god is reaching out to us but what paul is really emphasizing here in the the first part of romans here is that man is without excuse uh, before a holy god and that we are deserving of damnation. Okay? So let's read verse 21. Verse 21. And even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Okay, so they knew God because of the divine revelation through creation. Okay, so even though they knew God, well, how did they know Him? They knew Him from His divine revelation through creation. Okay, we know who God is, not as if we were reading His Word know Him, but we know God through creation. Okay. So that the their first blank there is revelation. All right, um, they did not honor him. Okay, so the honoring God, um, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. Okay, so they did not glorify. Man is man is created to honor and glorify God. To honor and glorify God. So I've got some verses here to read. Uh, we've got four sections. So Psalms 148. Psalms 148. 1 through 7. 
Who wants to grab that one? Jess? Okay, and then Romans 15, 5 and 6. Romans 15, 5 and 6. Okay, and then 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And then Revelations 4, 11. Revelations 4, 11. Mike, can we get down? Okay, Revelations 4.11. So starting with Psalms 148, 1 through 7. 148, 1 through 7. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all stars of light. Praise Him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord uh, from the earth, sea monsters and all deeps. Okay, so these verses all correlate under that second point there. They did not honor God. Okay, these, this is where these verses correlate. Man's man is created to honor and glorify God. And so that talks about that there. And then in Romans 15, 5 and 6. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we are with one voice to glorify our Father. Okay, one voice together glorifying him. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, all to the glory of God. Okay. Very, very uh, confusing text there, right? That's not we we don't understand that one, right? Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do all, not in part, but do all to the glory of God. And then Revelations 4.11. For are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Okay, so we have several scriptures, and we could probably spend an entire uh, Sunday school lesson or more just on that. But honor and glory is what God uh, did what he created is for and this is saying they did not honor him as god okay they did not glorify him as god the creator the savior all of those things and then it says here in the next point or they did not give him thanks they did not thank god refers to the knowledge uh, the acknowledging or all good things come from god okay this is an acknowledgement that all good things come from God and that we should be thankful to Him. So often, as even as Christians, we do things and say things as if we are giving the credit to ourselves for what we have accomplished, right? I built that. I did this, you know. My company was part of that or, you know, someone even within sermons, you know, Mark, what a great sermon you had today. Oh, thank you. I worked so hard on that. It was all about me. No, 
God is the one that is to be glorified in all aspects of life. And he is the one that is to be given thanks. We are to thank him. And as wretched sinners, we take from his glory and we take from giving him thanks. And we bestow that upon ourselves. Matthew, another uh, passage here that refers to the thanking part. Matthew 5, 45. Girls, you want to read? Matthew 5, 45. One of you guys want to get that? And then someone grabbed James 1. James 1, 16 and 17. So Dusty, if you want to get Matthew 5, 45. And then Dean, if you would grab James 1, 16. And seventeen. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Okay, so what is this passage talking about here? That God pours out his mercy on the righteous and the unrighteous. He allows the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. He allows the rain to fall on the right, the righteous and the unrighteous. God is merciful and should receive all gratitude and thanks. That's Matthew 5, 45. Matthew 5, 45. And then James 1, 16 and 17. Do not be deceived. Okay, so another verse just talking about where does our thanks lie? Where is our gratitude given? It is given to Christ. And in verse 21 here, they take it and they do not. Uh, give him the credit there. Okay? But they become uh, futile in their uh, speculation and their foolish hearts are darkened. Okay? And we, we see this, the word darkened there is blinded. Okay? They're, they live in a state of darkness, blindness. Uh, Ephesians, where we'll be at this morning in, in sermon, uh, talks about they live as dead men. Okay, they cannot. Uh, they they live in a in a state of darkness, as if they were dead spiritually. Okay, they they're still alive as humans, as in flesh, but in their spirit, their spirit has been darkened, or as if we would say, dead. They're dead men walking uh, in darkness because they have suppressed the knowledge of God. They have not honored Him as God. They have not seen it fit to give Him thanks and the glory due to Him. Uh, That is evident that we should based upon what we see in creation. That God is worthy of all of this. Okay. Verses 22, it says, even though they... uh, Nope. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Okay, Psalms 14.1. Got a lot of scriptures this morning. 
Um, but I think it's important that we, we see how Scripture talks about this. For, Psalms 14.1 and then Jeremiah 10.14. Who, who wants to get 14.1? Joseph. And then Jeremiah 10.14. Mike? Okay, so the, the becoming fools. Okay, so you can write these verses down underneath that, that section on, on the next page. So I believe it's on your next page. Uh, no, it's on the same page. Mine's on the next one. Anyways, go ahead and read 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. Okay, so, you know, we have great scholars of old and even today that are professed to be wise, right? They profess to be wise and they deny the existence of God. And the Bible says here in verse 22, professing to be wise, they become fools. They become fools. And so we got to be careful. Scripture talks about us being careful about calling someone a fool. But when you deny who God is, you are a fool. And that can be backed up right here in Romans 1.22. Professing that they were wise. They give you... Hour, they can stand up for hours and hours, sometimes three and four hours in a debate talking about how God can exist. And there's no way. Stephen Hawking is one that I can think of that is a person that totally denies the existence of God. It says to be careful. I don't have the verse in my uh, right, right away, but it, it talks about be careful in calling someone a fool. Um, and it, it's, it's not on the, this is saying that a person is a fool that does not believe in God. When we talk, the, when the scripture was talking about don't call someone a fool, that is like an anger or lashing out at someone. Um, just be careful on how you do that. And I'll have to, I'll get that verse and give you the better context for that. Um, in another time. But um, anyways, men like Stephen Hawking and these other that are devout atheists and, and God haters, uh, the world would put you know around them as these are wise men. They profess to be wise. They write books and so on. Uh, but really they are fools. Okay? And then Jeremiah 10, 14. Okay, so that, that's a very clear, all right? The, the goldsmith is, is without knowledge. He's dumb because he sets up idols, okay? It, it reminds me, and, I, and I, forgive me, I don't remember the, the exact passage, but there's a man that talks about, I believe it's in the book of Judges, where he goes and he cuts down a tree for firewood, okay? And so it's a large tree, and he cuts the tree in half, and half the tree he uses for firewood, and the other half he carves into an image, and he bows before it and worships it. 
Well, that totally goes into becoming a fool. You just cut down a tree. Half of that tree you're going to burn to keep yourself warm or to make food. And the other half, you are now going to worship it after you created it. That would be as foolish as God creating us and then turning around and worshiping us. Right? He created us and then he's going to worship us. It's as as foolish as a man to cut down a tree and use half of it for firewood and half of it for an idol. Okay? But men do have a desire to worship, but because of their hatred towards God, uh, they pervert worship and they do all kinds of uh, weird ways of worship. Okay? All right, so 20 verses 22, we just got there. 23, verse 23. Someone will read verse 23. And exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Okay, so these two go together. Uh, very clearly, and they talk about how man exchanges the glory of God for idols, okay? They worshiped idols instead of God. The, the blank there is instead of God, all right? So, and it talks about here in verses 23 of the different kinds of images they, that, they, um, that they worship, okay? They worship... Uh, the corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals, okay? And so the humanity desires uh, to suppress the knowledge of God and they use God's creation uh, and they worship His creation rather than the Creator, okay? And they, and they, they put the creation that God did above or uh, surpassing or not even uh, mentioning the Creator. They just celebrate the creation. Okay, in Deuteronomy 4, 16 through 18. So I want to grab Deuteronomy 4, 16 through 18. It talks about the worship of idols. You have it, go ahead and read it. Deuteronomy 16 through 8, or 4, 16 through 18. This is obviously in Deuteronomy, which we've already gone through, but it correlates right here with verses 23 with Paul talking about don't worship those. Now, with the naming of all of those, just in if you are 
person that follows history at all or just knows a little bit about history, we know that the mentioning of those certain things have all been worshipped at some time or set up as a, a god at some time, right? The sun, that, that one's a commonly one, that people worship the sun and, and people worship... Uh, animals, the the calves, and uh, you got Bullock. You know, he, he's set up and he's he's part man, part this, part that, and he's got all kinds of different parts to him. You have uh, men that they they worship the the stars, the astrology, and, and that is their god. They spend their entire life uh, recognizing the stars, and and they bow down to again the creation instead of the creator. And that is such an important thing for us to realize that we don't even fall into that trap ourselves. That we always give praise to God for everything. Uh, and we don't ever want to praise um, the, the animals, the stars, the sun. We always want to recognize without God, the sun would not have rose this morning. Or the moon by or the moon by night, or the stars, uh, the sea would overflow us. All of these things are controlled by God, and we do not worship them. We worship the one who has created them. Very, very important. Okay, we we see as are we are we seeing Paul's progression here that man has no excuse and where man truly is. And as we live in society, we can see. What? We can see all of this stuff in the society even today. And we can look at history and see how man has perverted who God is and changed his praise into praising other things and foreign gods. Uh, and, and we see that throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, uh, and we can see it through our history books, how man has always sought to praise something else other than God, even though they know he is, and they suppress that truth. And that's why Paul starts off with that in verse 18, that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth of the knowledge that God is the creator. Okay? Good. Any thoughts or ideas on those verses? Could that verse also be a warning to us to not try to make an image of God? God is Yahweh. People today try to say, well, this is what he looks like, or this is what he, he looks like a man. Um, the scripture gives some, and I, forgive me, I don't know the reference, but it does talk about us to be careful about making an image of God. Uh, we are not to bow down to any image. Um, now, in the Old Testament, that was different because they had the Ark of the Covenant. But that is where God actually dwelt. Okay? This was not a figurative speech that God you know, figuratively lived in the Ark of the Covenant. He lived in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, in the tent, in the Ark of the Covenant. And that's why when they moved the Ark of the Covenant, if someone were to touch it, they would die. You know, only certain people were allowed to be around it because this was in the essence of God. He was there. And so worshiping that, uh, that Ark of the Covenant... Uh, was not necessarily the Ark of the Covenant. It was representative of who God was and that he lived in there. Um, but that's what we don't. Um, we, we have a cross up here, but we don't worship 
the cross, right? It's a reminder of what went on, what uh, took place on the cross. Now, if we ever get to a point where we come in and we kneel before the cross and, and do something Amish towards that, that would become sin. And that would become un what God desires for us. God desires to worship and, 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 and honor Him directly. That is what the cross did. It tore the veil, which probably doesn't get talked about as much as it probably should. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two, meaning access was given to God directly. No longer did we have to go through uh, someone else to get to the holy place. We worship Him directly. And so therefore, we don't... You know, no pictures... I'm not someone that says a picture of Jesus is a horrible thing. Uh, some would say if you have a picture of Christ, then you're, you're sinning. Uh, I, I, I would say no. If you're worshiping that picture... Uh, then you, that there's an issue there. Uh, it, having a picture of Christ, no one really knows what he looked like. And so, um, kind of, I don't know, does that answer your, your thought there? And, and I kind of had, you know, like, what my thinking was, but I wanted more to go with it. So right. thank you. Okay. Yeah, you gave me more to go with it. <laughs> Joe, did you have a question? Yeah, we have an empty cross. We have an empty cross. Very good. Okay, we don't have a cross with Jesus still hanging on it. He is empty, which is a representative of what Christ has done for us. But we, again, we don't worship the cross. We worship the Christ that was on the cross. Okay? All right. Now, let me see. We've got just a few more minutes here, so let's get down through 24 and 25. Someone want to read verses 24 and 25? Okay, and obviously I didn't come up with that statement of saying they, they worship the creature instead of the creator. It's right here. Okay, this is where we get that. That man worshiped the creation or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Okay, now what we see in these two verses are... Um, giving them over, okay, God gives them over to a depraved mind, gives them over to uh, their, their, their fleshly desires. So uh, we got we to gotta read these quickly and we'll be done. So someone grab uh, Judges 10, 13, and 14, and then someone else, Galatians 5, 19, and 20, 19 through 21, and then John 8, 44. Okay, Judges, Judges 10, 14, or 13 and 14. Okay, and the, the blank there is handed. Okay, it literally means handed over for sentencing. Okay, they are judged. Gave them over. So Judges 10, 13 and 14. Go ahead. 
You have, <clears throat> yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will no longer deliver you. Go and cry out to the God which you have chosen. Let him deliver you in the time of your distress. Okay. God says, okay, you want to go out to the other gods? He's going to give them over to their depraved minds and give them over. And he says, cry out to them because I'm no longer going to um, protect you. And obviously here it's talking about uh, the Israelite nation. Okay. A uh, hearts in impurity. Okay. A term used for uh, decaying matter. The word is decaying there, the blank. Okay, uh, speaking of sexual immorality, okay, this is the, the thought given here, uh, to, uh, a heart uh, of impurity, okay? So Galatians 5, 19 and 21, 19 through 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, Idolatry, sorcery, enemies, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, uh, factions, envies, drunkenness, carousing, <coughs> and things like these. Which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so again, this is uh, just emphasizing this is what they're given over to. Okay, the, they. Uh, do, a, a life of really if you wanted to explain it it'd just be a life of misery nothing in that list in Galatians 5 19 through 21 is something that would want to characterize our lives or what we want to live in and this is what a depraved uh, God hating individual is how they uh, they live and exist okay exchanging the truth for a lie, okay? The very end there, denying God's existence. Denying God's existence. What a horrible thing to do would be to deny God's existence. Turn with me to John 8. This will be the last one we go to. John chapter 8 in verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay. So man exchanges the truth. What is the truth? God has revealed His truth to us. We know His truth. We know that God is the God of creation and that He's a good and gracious and merciful God. And Scripture spells out clearly for us who He is. We exchange the truth from the, for the lie of Satan. And Satan deceives us and causes us to reject Him. Okay? Well, that is that section. Next week's lesson is uh, continuing on the same thought, but getting a little bit more specific in its sin. Okay, and it's going to be talking about homosexual desires and and that this that those desires are a part of our sinful nature and they are apart from what God would have for us. Okay.
Well, let's pray and then we will have a few minutes to mingle. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and that it shows us uh, that you are who you say you are and that you are our great God, our great creator and sustainer. And Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen.